welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. It, in, the, in the moment in the, when it's raw and you feel, you feel hollowed out, and it, the last thing you want to hear is stuff like, you know, it happened for a reason or something like that, right? We've heard that. People mean well, I understand that, but when it happens, you're like, well, I don't really want to hear that, right? Or you've heard, um, uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. You've heard that before. Uh, there's sometimes in my life, I feel like he did. He did give me more than I can handle. Um, and that's where God handles the rest of it. Um, and there's, so there's this meme I found uh, on Facebook, and it quotes 2 Corinthians. It says, we don't want you to be uninformed about the troubles we experienced. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. I mean, there's stuff in the scripture where the church was suffering. They're being persecuted. They're having a difficult time. And it's more than they could endure. But thankfully, God was with them in the midst of the trial and the suffering. But you can't just give it a bumper sticker answer sometimes. It's be sort of like me walking into a prison and, and telling the prisoners, keep your heads up, stay positive. And I can't really do that, though, because I get to go home. You know, they stay there. And some things just aren't quite that easy. But when I think about suffering, I've always been enamored with this uh, man named Nick Vujicic, if you've ever heard of him. But he was born in Australia. Uh, and he was born with no arms and no legs, a very rare uh, medical condition. And uh, his story is incredible. And he's a, he travels the world, evangelist, preacher, and motivational speaker. Um, and you're going to hear from Nick in this short video about his life, because in his story is this tension of suffering and difficulty and faith and hope, and to see the mystery of how these things work together sometimes. So let's watch this video real quick. One without hope, and to someone that is literally bringing hope around the world. Let's just look at John 9 and see what he's talking about. Verse 1, he says, As he walked along, he, Jesus, saw a man blind from birth. So right there, you see that Jesus, he sees the man. Jesus stops and sees the man, the man with a disability. He didn't walk on the other side of the street. He went toward the man with a disability. And I think that's so beautiful. It reveals such something about the heart of God that they go, you go toward someone different than you. And as followers of Jesus, that's our calling as well, to go to those that need healing, that the others avoid. And Jesus sees him and goes to him. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Okay, the tact police should have arrested the disciples here. This is a very crude question to ask in front of the blind man. Um, why is he blind? And it sounds like something we would ask today in that we want the cause, right? We want to know why. Why did this happen? And they're the same way. Jesus is with them physically, so they ask him in person, which I would want to do too if I was there, why did this happen? And we always think of the cause. We think of the past. And Jesus doesn't go there. He speaks to the purpose. He speaks to the purpose. He looks to the future and the present hope that could come through this man's life. And he says, Answer, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him, or the power of God could be seen in him. 
Jesus speaks to the purpose. Okay, a lot of pastors will avoid this story. They don't want to preach about it. They don't want to talk about it. Because there's the assumption they want to make it sound like God caused his blindness just so that God's power could be revealed. But there again, there's the assumption, there's the cause mindset that disciples have. We want to know the cause, we don't know the cause, so we won't even talk about it. Um, and you avoid it. Jesus doesn't negate the truth that it, it's not because of this man's sin, it's because of maybe sin in general that blindness has occurred, but that Jesus is essentially saying God intends to display some of his glory through his blindness. In this instance, as you keep reading, he would be healed. His blindness would be healed. Sometimes God's glory is shown through physical healing. I've known people that have been healed. Uh, it happens. Other times, God's glory is not shown through healing. I, you, many of us have prayed for people for healing, and it has not happened. But God's glory and power is shown through his sustaining power. He will be with people to sustain and help and strengthen them. But there's nothing that says it has always to be healing. Well, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, he had this thing he called his thorn in his flesh. We're not really sure what it was. He, uh, we think maybe it was an eye issue. Some people think it was a sexual temptation he couldn't shake. But he said, three times I asked the Lord to re- remove the thorn from my flesh. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said each time the Lord, he said... My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. You can't keep Paul down. Paul's always thinking positive. He's always thinking optimistic. Even in his weaknesses, God shows his strength. But there's the Apostle Paul saying, I have this suffering. I have this issue. God, will you heal me? And in this instance, the Lord Lord said, I will sustain you. I will sustain you. Sometimes it's healing in different ways. But the truth is that suffering can only have meaning in a relationship with God. Apart from God, suffering and the problem of suffering gets even worse. It's even more unjust and cruel and it's just it's chaos. But if God is your supreme value, there's the potential for meaning. That the sting could eventually fade, but the sweetness of the Lord's sustaining power and glory can remain. The sweetness of the memory of the loved one can remain. Nick Vujicic was born without arms and legs. At the age of 15, he reads these words and his life is changed. Other times, Nick has said that he would rather have a disability and be with Jesus than have a healthy body without him. He said before God, if you left me with no arms and no legs for one more soul, then it's worth it. I mean, think about that. What gives this person this level of hope? I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. What leads some to hope and suffering and some to be pushed toward despair? Keller says in the book we're following, which you can pick up before you leave, he says, if our minds can't plumb the depths of the universe for good answers to suffering, well, then there can't be any. It's a sarcastic question. He says, this is blind faith of a high order. Just because we can't find a reason as to why God would allow something to happen doesn't mean there isn't one. We just don't know what it is. We can't see it. I've heard it said that um, human understanding and suffering are side by side. We know they're both true. We know that God is good, and we know that suffering also exists. And they're, they're both present in the world. And where those points meet 
is above our level of understanding sometimes. We just can't see it. But they meet at some point. I uh, worked at a church in South Charlotte called Forest Hill for many years, and they had a wonderful ministry to, um, to those with, that are handicapped. And it was parents of their children were handicapped, and they would come in and have their own worship services in a large space like this one. They'd bring in 20 or 30 people, and the parents were in a, the lead worship. They'd play, play guitar and sing, and they'd have a worship service. Now, their singing didn't sound like our singing, but if you were in the room, it was worship. Yeah, I felt the Holy Spirit in that place, God sustaining and helping, even in the midst of suffering. Those parents were saying, we're going to run toward God in our hour of trial instead of away from God. Many years ago as well, I led a Bible study at the Bethesda Center for the Homeless in Winston-Salem. And it was for about 30 homeless men would come, and we would have donuts and coffee. And if you want to keep your head on a swivel... Um, lead a Bible study for 30 homeless men. Uh, and a lot of them knew their Bible better than I do. They really were quite sharp. Um, and one guy came up to me after a lesson about forgiveness or grace, and he was so angry. He just carried bitterness. You could sense it. And he said, I was in Manhattan on 9-11. I'm from New York, and I was there when it happened. And he said, don't tell me that God forgives those men in those planes like he forgives me. He wanted to, be, to show what's justice. And I said, hey, I don't know the answer to that. I can't tell you. But he had such anger, and he wanted to reject God in the trial and in the suffering. But it actually made him even more bitter and angry. But I think people need to know, too, that God wants you to bring that to him. Don't leave it. But he wants to come with weeping and mourning, and you'll find healing that those who reap, those who sow with tears of joy, will tears of sorrow will reap with joy. Suffering is a result of sin in the world, and that's a general answer. God didn't cause it, but sometimes stuff just happens. What's the old saying that manure happens? I can't say the real the real saying, but manure happens. See, look, there's the cow was like, look what I accomplished. Look what I did. Right? Manure doesn't make sense. It stinks. It's inconvenient. Uh, my, my family, the Chilton family, is from Pilot Mountain, and they're all, farm, all tobacco farmer people. And my wonderful Aunt Helen, God bless her soul, passed away many years ago, but she uh, had a beautiful home and, and um, houses that built that time. It was like a farm around the house. They had cherry trees and everything was food. It's just everything was potential, had a, some sort of pragmatic value. And she had a garden and it was this early spring. I went to visit her one time. It was right around Good Friday or so. And I saw her garden and it was just, it was tremendous. She already had onions growing and tomatoes and stuff. I was like, how are you doing this? I said, are you using miracle Grow?" I mean, she said, oh, I'm using miracle Grow, <laughs> the original. And I, she said, manure. And I looked over into the garden and it was just, just it was full of manure. <laughs> and it, it, it made it the most healthy, amazing thing you've ever seen. See, God may not give you the miracle that you pray for in the way that you expect. I can't give an answer for that. But God could use us to be the miracle in someone else's life. Eventually, eventually. That manure will happen. But how will we use it? That maybe God didn't put you in it, 
but he will bring you through it. I was a camp director at a, a, a Methodist camp in Franklin, North Carolina about 17 years ago, hard to believe. And um, my camp cook one day, who was supposed to make pancakes one morning at 5.30 a.m., she didn't show up. And I started to you know, panic. And, um, and so we start putting out Pop-Tarts and all this and trying to get breakfast together. Then I get a phone call later and says, oh, she's not going to be there. She was in a car accident. She got airlifted to Asheville or something. And, uh, you know, we, so we prayed for her. And, uh, you know, I don't know what had happened. Cell phones weren't as popular back then. Hard to believe. Um, and, well, then two days later, she shows up. She walks into the kitchen ready to work. She's got a sling. She's got staples. She's got black eyes. I was like, what are you doing here? She said, well, I almost died. I was like, what? And she said, well, I, I needed the money. She's like, I need to come and work. And so she was there to work. And while we were, I was talking to her, she said, I almost died, but I saw the Lord. And I said, what kind of medication were you on at this point? <laughs> no, but I, I believed her. I believed her. And, and she said, well, while I got airlifted, and they put me in the gurney, and I looked at the pilot. I could see Jesus sitting on the seat next to him. He was literally her co-pilot. And I said, what did he look like? And Because I've never heard this kind of story before. And she said, he was glorious. He was beautiful. But then when I turned my head to look next to me, he was sitting right next to me. And then when I looked over here, he was over here. Like wherever she looked, he was there. I mean, granted, she, was, she had low low blood amount, okay? But I believed her that God was with her, that God didn't put her in it, but God was, will get her through it. Last week, Jeff and I and Anne-Marie were at a conference called New Room in Nashville, and we heard a man speak named Jack Deere. Jack uh, was a pastor, he was a Bible teacher, he was a successful guy, and his son passed at the age of 21 through a very tragic circumstance. And he wrote a book about it called Out of the Darkness. Highly recommend you read it if you or someone you know has gone through a, a trial, a situation, suffering, a sorrow, and this tension of faith and God and suffering. It's a beautiful way he writes it. And he said it took years, okay, of healing. And, but he said now he's at a point where he feels the sting has gone and the sweetness of his son's... I love the way he, he phrased that. The sweetness of his son's memory remains. And now his testimony gives hope and healing to others that are having a same situation. That so many people today need healing. And why shouldn't a former alcoholic give hope to an AA group? I've met people that have been through divorce. And after a time period so they could be healed, they eventually led a divorce care group for others going through the same situation. You know, God's going to teach us the stuff through it. That God is good. He's always good. He didn't want it to happen, I don't think, but he, he didn't put us in it, but he'll bring us through it. I mean, God will teach you patience through your teenager. Or your, or your baby. Or your young adult. God's going to teach you perseverance and self-control as you pay off that debt. God's going to teach you about sacrificial love as you work hard and trying to raise those kids by yourself. See, God has not forgotten you and your suffering. I think we have to remember that. It's easy to think that you're forgotten when you're in the trial, but he has not forgotten you. 
Jesus said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. So do not let the devil tell you that he has forgotten, that God has forgotten you. The devil is a liar, and he's a liar from the beginning. Christianity might not provide every answer to the problem of suffering, but it does, the gospel does equip us to handle suffering with courage rather than bitterness and despair. We have a Savior who suffered on the cross. We have a Savior, as the book of Hebrews says, who, who, who walked as we walked, who understands and sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. That he, is, he was human as we were, and yet without sin. And of course, not only did Jesus live, but he also suffered a great deal. Mark 14. Jesus seems to want to avoid his suffering. He feels forsaken. Then they went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. This is the night before he's crucified. He took Peter, James, and John, his inner circle, with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour waiting him might pass him by. Abba Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Why does Jesus seem to suffer more than other martyrs throughout religious history? He seems to be suffering more than anyone else. I mean, other, other gospels say he prayed with such fervency that blood came out of the pores of his skin. He felt such a crushing weight. It's because he who had no sin, Jesus, he had no sin, he became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Whether you feel that or believe it or not, it happened. That he who had no sin became sin for you, for the answer to our suffering, the ultimate answer to our suffering. The cross shows us, shows us that God is not indifferent or detached from our suffering. That God takes our suffering so serious that he's willing to take it onto, our, onto himself. We have that beautiful phrase at Christmas time called Emmanuel, right? We say this, God with us. God is with us. He's with you in the fire. He's with you in the storm. He's with you. If you read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you see that they refuse to bow to King Nebuchadnezzar's idol, and they throw them in a furnace. He's so furious as to kill them. And then they looked into the fire and they saw a fourth person look like a son of a God or son of man. It was Jesus. It was pre-incarnate Jesus standing with them in the fire, in their suffering, in their pain. He was present with them. And he's present with us here and now, especially as we begin this morning to have Holy Communion. What a great reminder of the real presence of Jesus in our suffering and in our lives, the good and the bad. So let us pray together as we prepare our hearts for communion this morning. God in heaven, Lord Jesus, we thank you that on the night in which you were in the upper room with your disciples, you took the cup and you said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. And then you took the bread 
And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. Pour out your Holy Spirit on this gift of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ. Amen. All are welcome at the Lord's table. And as you come forward, we ask you come through the middle aisle and out through the side.